Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. We are in week number five of our series that we're titling Epic, The Greatest Story Ever Told. And in this series, we're going through um, the Bible at some of the big uh, stories that have been told from time to time, whether it's the story of Adam and Eve, the story of Moses, of Noah, um, and we're going to look at a really fun one today. Um, and then next week, we're going to talk about the story of Joseph. And this is going to lead right on into Easter, where on uh, Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about the story of Jesus. And we're learning how each individual story really ties into itself. That the Bible is not just a collection of different stories told over time that have nothing to do with themselves. No, the Bible is a story from start to finish and, it, and the main character is, is Jesus. In every single story, you're going to find that. And there's this, there's this line, this plot line that runs all the way throughout the Bible that if you read it, you'll find that the Bible is very interconnected with itself, that events tie into different events, and, uh, and they all are very critical into the story that God is wanting to tell. So maybe you've heard these stories before in Sunday school, or maybe you're new to church. Maybe you've not been to church ever before, and these stories are brand new to you. I hope that either, um, if you're either one of those people, that you're going to find something, and I'm going to do my hardest to give you something that God says that uh, is going to impact your life in a, in a new and a fresh way today, and you're going to walk out with um, a changed life one way or another. Um, so let's just go ahead and we'll just jump right on in uh, to the story today. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 1 and we're going to read the whole Jonah chapter 1. It's not as daunting as it seems. There's only 17 verses, but um, you guys can follow along on the screens or if you can see your... Uh, your message notes there. I do encourage you guys, fill out your message notes today um, because it is proven that the things that you write down, you retain. And so we are big note takers here. But let's jump into Jonah chapter 1 right here at the very beginning. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, the, uh, the old country preacher said, uh, if, you, if you run from God, you're always going to go down. Okay, sorry, I didn't even, I should have interrupted myself with that terrible joke. Where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, the old country preacher said, if you run from God, you're always going to pay the price. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Sorry. That's my last one. Okay. He went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and cried out, each cried out to his own God, little G. And they threw the cargo into the ship to lighten the ship, or into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. 
They cast lots in the lot, fell on Jonah. And so they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. Have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. Y'all have people you want to throw overboard sometimes? They took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. And at this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And so I'm going to kind of recap the rest of this story for you. So the book of Jonah is only four chapters, and it's a, it's a really easy read if you're reading on, but we're just going to recap the rest of this story. Jonah stays in the belly of this fish. You probably heard it growing up that Jonah was swallowed by a whale, but it doesn't say anywhere that it was a whale. It was just a big old fish. Jonah's in the belly of this fish for three days, and finally, after three days, he finally gives in, and he tells God, okay, God, I will do what you're asking me to do. I'll go to Nineveh. If you spare me now, I'll serve you. I'll go to Nineveh. And so this fish, the Bible said, this fish swims up to the shore of Nineveh and vomits Jonah up. You guys ever, that probably sounded, or it probably smelled real good, right? Like, y'all ever smelled stinky fish? Y'all ever smelled what would come out of a stinky? Okay, sorry. So this fish vomits up Jonah on the shore of Nineveh. And then Jonah hopefully cleans himself off. I don't know. It doesn't say anything about it. But he goes to the city of Nineveh and he preaches to them. He tells the city that they've got to turn from their evil ways. Um, they've got to turn. They've got to do, um, they've got to do better, you know. And, uh, and so after Jonah preaches to him, the whole city repents. And that word repent is a really uh, derogatory term in most churches today. But really all it means is that they, they change their direction. They changed the way that they were living. It's not a dirty word. It's actually one of the most beautiful words in the Bible, that word repent. And so the city repented. They turned their direction and they, they started, they repented and they, and they took up vows and they quit their evil ways. And, and, uh, and, and from there, God spared the entire city. This is a really fun story um, to talk about. And it's, it's very, uh, I think it's very pertinent to where we are Today, right now, especially with the season that we're going into. But the title of today's message, uh, sorry, I'm already loving it. The title of today's message, y'all, I, I just think it's funny. Where did you go, Cotton Eye Joe? Nah. <laughs> Where did you go, Cotton Eye Jonah? So Jonah really was, like you, we read this story and we give Jonah a really bad rap. Like, hey, he's running from God. Why would, you know, he, why would, why would he even be included in the Bible? He runs, he's running from God. He's not doing what he said. But really, Jonah is, is a great prophet. 
in the Bible. And the first time that we actually hear mention of Jonah is not in the book of Jonah. It's in 2 Kings chapter 14. And so God, in 2 Kings 14, God gives, um, gives Jonah this word. And, uh, and Jonah goes and preaches to Israel. And Israel responds and expands its borders, the things that God was saying to do. And so Jonah was really, at this time, he was a sought-out figure. Like he was, a, he was a prophet of God, which is a very, I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy uh, position to be in because there weren't, it wasn't like we get today, we get to hear God's voice, each one of us individually, but at the time in, the, in your Old Testament, in the biblical times back then, the only way that people could hear God's voice was through his prophets, and so Jonah was holding this high position, and he was a great prophet, he just, um, he just didn't like Nineveh, and so Jonah was Jonah being told to go to Nineveh was kind of like if you were being told to go to Powell County. Sorry if you if you got any. We probably have some. We actually have some people from Powell County that go here. So sorry. We actually um, watch out. You guys could be our next campus if you keep growing. Uh, we could go plant in Powell County. But um, when when God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. This is not, Nineveh is not a great place, but it's funny that God actually says, he calls Nineveh a great city. A great city. It's really building dramatic effect here. And, and this word great is not really how Jonah would describe the city of Nineveh. In fact, Nineveh was a very wicked city. They're, they're, they're very, very wicked. They were more like barbarians. They were terrorists. Um, they would do stuff like they would, they would, they would cut off your tongue. Um, they were known to, um, to cut off someone's hand while they're still alive so they can shake hands with their enemy in front of their face. Um, some historians say that they forced their captives to listen to Nickelback for days on end with no break. <laughs> Terrible people. Look at this photograph. Sorry. But, but when, when God gave the, the word to Jonah to go to Nineveh, it was not a place that he wanted to go. And, and it wasn't like Jonah didn't want to preach God's word because he was a great prophet. He just preached it to Israel. But he did not want to go to Nineveh because of who they were. Sometimes we, we consider who God is calling us to go talk to and, and in our minds. They don't really stand up against the standard of of the people that we should be giving the message to because sometimes we think that we should only give God's message to the people that are, that are clean, that have it all together. And honestly, Jesus tells us the entire opposite of that. He said, go leave the 99 sheep, the ones that are already gathering, and go find the one that's off on his own, that's, that's lost, that's astray. And so Jonah going to Nineveh, um, it, it's, it's very important, especially when we look at who is God calling us to reach. See, God's word is always an invitation. You can look at God's word. When he, when he gives you a word, you can look at it really from one of two ways. You can look at God's word as an interruption or an inconvenience. Or when God asks us to do something, we can look at it as an invitation. And what happens is many of us will miss God's voice because we're viewing it from the perspective of an inconvenience. You drive by the guy on the side of the road that maybe you were supposed to reach because you got places to go. You don't want to talk to this person because they're a little smelly. I get it. They stink. 
But God's asking us to go to them, and you're looking at it as an inconvenience when God is saying, this is an invitation to share what I'm, what I'm, what I'm wanting you to share. See, you, your calling sometimes, everybody's searching for their calling in life, right? Like, your calling sometimes is just what you call it. Is it an invitation, or is it an interruption? You could be smack dab right now in the middle of your calling, but you're going to miss it if you haven't trained yourself to listen to God's Word as an invitation and not an inconvenience. So like right now, you drive through Estill County, you got to go the long way around because the bridge is shut down, right? It's terrible. And there, there's no end in sight, and it's going to go through the Mushroom Festival, and that's going to be crazy because we haven't had a Mushroom Festival in two years, and it's going to be wild. And traffic is a little crazier than usual, especially right there at that light by the go time. There's about 20 wrecks a day. Traffic is wild, especially going to schools. But have you ever, while you're driving through this, what would be crazy traffic for Estill County, have you ever thought to yourself that these cars that you're passing, the the extra people that you're passing, that's, that's your mission field? Like, have you ever thought while you're driving past these people that these are the people that God is calling you to reach, that God is calling you to share with? In Estill County, I'm going to share some numbers with you. In Estill County, 8 out of 10 people that you pass in the grocery store, on the street, 8 out of 10 people are not connected to a church in Estill County. That means like we have just we have 14,500 people on average. That means that about 13,000 people are not connected to a local church. And that's them saying it, like to the, to the surveys. They're, they're saying that I'm not connected to a local church. There are so many people out there that need to hear this good news of Jesus. Why are we, set, why are we so set on reaching people and growing as a church? Guys, because there's 13,000 people in Estill County that don't know Jesus. Actually, there's like 12,900 and. 48 so far after we see what God has done through some of you church. But there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus. And we care about it because every one of these numbers is a person. And every single person has a story. And the truth of the matter is, this is why I preach it so heavily, that we need to be looking outside of these walls and not inside of these walls, because heaven or hell is real. Like, both of them exist. And when you die, you're going to go one place or the other. And I would much rather encounter somebody in heaven than have to weep for them because they didn't get, they didn't get to go into the presence of Jesus. That's why we care so much about growing this church. Listen, you're like, you're just going to keep on growing and we don't have any seats left. We'll add another service. Well, we'll grow out of that. We'll build a building. We'll do whatever we can do because we're going to do anything short of sin to reach people that don't know Christ. It's just that important to us. We're going to do things that nobody is doing so we can reach people that nobody is reaching because heaven and hell are real. There's some things that we can pull out of the story of Jonah this morning that are really applicable to where we are in the world today. Number one, we learn that when God has a problem, He sends a person. When God has a problem, He sends a person. Amos chapter 3, verse 7 
says this, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. God works through people. See, God needed Nineveh to change its ways or else he was going to destroy it. God needed Nineveh to change his ways. They were wicked, they were corrupt, they were barbarians. And God didn't want to destroy them. God wanted to show them mercy because we see the character of God as it's written in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. How many times have we been told throughout our life that God wants us to suffer in eternity? That God can't wait to send you to hell if you don't shape up. But that's not the truth. The truth is God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants every single person to come to repentance. So much so that he's already given his life and he's already offered the gift. It's up for you to to reach out and take it. So, So God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go there by not accepting the gift that he's already provided. But when God has a problem, he sends a person. When God had a problem, he needed Nineveh to change its ways. So instead of going down and intervening himself, right? He could have done anything he wants. He's God. He's created it all. He sent Jonah. An obviously imperfect person, but still a person chosen by God. See, God chooses to work through people because God is a relational God. He's formed us to be in community with each other. That's why last week we talked about that God identified himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because he wants to show there's a, I'm a generational God. I am a relational God. I work through people. And in today's age, God uses the church. Some of you, you're a part of that. God uses the church as as his vessel of delivering hope to the world. That without the church, God's not choosing, like He's choosing you. If some of you church didn't exist, then there's a whole portion of people that are missing the gospel. Because God wants to choose you to solve a problem. You, when we say the church, guys, you are the church. You guys know the church is not this building. Guys, we're in a fair barn. Like, welcome to Esther County, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're in a fair barn. God doesn't care as much about this building as he cares about what he is building. You know what I mean? Like, you are the church. The church is not a building. The church is the people. And so what that means is if the church is God's chosen vessel of delivering hope to the world, you know what that means? There's something I think I learned. It was one of those properties in math, like the transitive property or something like that. You know what that means? If you equal the church, and the church equals God's way of delivering hope to the world, you know, you are God's chosen means of delivering hope to the world. You. There's a purpose for your life. There's a responsibility that we hold. That you're supposed to deliver hope to the world. God, when he has a problem, he sends a person. Here's the problem. There are unreached people in this community. As crazy as that sounds, in the 21st century, there are unreached people in this community. There are people that God needs to reach. And you are the answer to the problem. 
You are the person that God's choosing to reach these people. When God has a problem, he sends a person. Number two, when God has a plan, no power can stop it. When God has a plan, no power can stop it. See, Jonah tried everything he could to avoid following what God was wanting him to do. He tried everything. And he, like most of us, probably felt that his feelings were warranted. Like Nineveh was evil. Why would God want to save them? Your ex-husband treats you pretty trashy. Why would God want to save them? Your abuser. We don't even need to say what they did. Why would God want to save them? It doesn't make sense. Why would God want to save Nineveh? But listen. No matter what Jonah tried, God's plan still came to pass. There are things in life that no matter what comes against them, God is going to make it come to pass. It's not everything, but these things, it's called the, the sovereign will of God. And these are the things that you encounter, that there is no getting out of it. If God wants you to go to Nineveh, one way or another, you're going to end up in Nineveh. You can choose the easy way and just go with God the first time. But sometimes if you fight it a little hard, you might end up getting smelling a little fishy, getting vomited up. I don't want any of y'all to do that, but I'm just saying, if I, if I saw one of y'all get vomited up, I'm, I'm posting it on YouTube. I don't know. I mean, that's just, I'm just saying. Please don't. But if you do, I'm posting it on YouTube. Especially because there's probably not, I don't know what's in that river, y'all. I can't see through it. In Florida, we had rivers that you can kind of see into. Not too bad, but the Kentucky River, Lord, you're swimming in chocolate milk. But God was going to make sure that his message got to Nineveh one way or another. Acts chapter 5, verse 38 through 39. This is, this is a guy named Gamaliel speaking. And he was really, he was looked upon as like, this is the dude that knows what's going on when it comes to Pharisees, when it comes to, to all that religious high leaders. This guy was the one that everybody wanted to sit with and, and sit under. And this guy spoke and, and he said, they're having this... They're having this big debate because the, uh, the apostles, they were, just, they were just sent out by Jesus. Jesus went back to heaven. They're sharing the gospel. And people are, the Pharisees don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And so they're completely against these guys sharing the gospel. And Gamaliel says this. He says, therefore, because they're talking about throwing him in prison, what should we do with him? He said, therefore, in the present case, I advise you this. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it'll fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourself fighting against God. See, when God says go, it doesn't stop until God says stop. You know, scientists and astronomers will tell us that the universe is constantly expanding. And it's really cool when I find out that the scientists are finally catching up to the Bible. They say the universe is constantly expanding because you know what I read in the, in, the, in the Bible is in the very first chapter, God says, let it be. And there it was. And he never said stop. So if it's going to go until God says no, 
It's going to go until God says stop, and it's proven in our, in, in our universe. There is a plan that God has. And listen, let me, let me make it real practical for you. There's a plan that God has for your life. Guys, and you think it, you're thinking you ruined it. You're thinking you're too far gone. I promise you, you're not that, you're not that big. You are not big enough to stop the plan of God for your life. There is, there, you, there is not a distance that you can run that God is not already, already there waiting for you. God has a purpose and He has a plan for your life. There's nothing you can do about it. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. There's nothing you can do. And so God called Jonah to reach Nineveh and Jonah ended up getting there the hard way, but God needed someone to reach Nineveh. And when God has a plan, no power can stop it. And then finally, number three, when God sends a word, it requires a response. When God sends a word, it requires a response. Luke chapter 12, verse 48 Jesus says this, he says, For everyone whom has been, who has been given much, much will be demanded, much, much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. That means if God has trusted you with, with a lot, there's going to be more that's asked of your life. He wants, God wants you to use what he's given you in order to make a difference. That's the, that's the epitome of the Christian experience is when you start impacting other people for the glory of God. It's not when you get all the head knowledge in the world. It's not when you've when you got perfect attendance at Summit View Church for, for 52 weeks straight. By the way, happy six-month anniversary, Summit View. I think that's pretty awesome. I forgot to mention it. Six months. It feels like we've been here for six years in good way. It's great. It's awesome. Anyway, the person that God has given much to, God is also going to ask much of. When God entrusts you with, with something, He expects you to respond. With great power comes great response. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to say Spider-Man quote. You've heard it five times from five different movies. But when God gives you knowledge, when God gives you direction, when God gives you something... It's up to you to do something with it. God's word requires a response. When God gives you a gift, it's up to you to use it. When God gives you potential, it's up to you to step into it. Of whom much is given, much is asked. And God called Jonah to reach the city of Nineveh. And he responded the wrong way. And finally, Jonah ended up in Nineveh, vomited up by a fish. But you know what Jesus says about Jonah? Jesus talks about him in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 through 41. He says, Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. We want you to do something. You're the Son of God. Prove it. And he answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none of it will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. 
For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh, listen to this. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and they'll condemn it. They'll stand up and condemn it. You know, it, the, the only way that they'd be able to condemn this generation is if they were found righteous in God's eyes. And it says, Jesus says, they're going to stand up and condemn this generation. Why? Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now, something greater than Jonah is here. When God speaks a word, it requires a response. And Nineveh repented. Nineveh turned its ways. It changed everything. It didn't matter how complicated their life was. In a moment of a word from God, they changed everything and God spared them. And now they're going to stand up at the end of time and, and they're going to look on, unfortunately, everybody else that didn't respond to God the same way. But here's, here's something that's even, even more awesome to me because I can identify with Jonah. I'm not perfect. God's called me to do things before that I didn't want to do and I didn't do them. I can identify with him. I'm imp- I, I, just, I don't have all my stuff together. But finally, Jonah responded. And you know what happened? People's eternities were changed. All because one man said yes. A city was saved. One man, imperfect, improbable, and he said yes. And an entire city was saved. Guys, Easter is in two weeks. And if you don't know this, guys, people are more likely to say yes to visiting a church on Easter than any other day out of the entire year. There was a poll taken a few years ago, and 67% of Americans say that a personal invitation from a family member would be very or somewhat effective to get them to visit a church. Two out of three people, they said, hey, if somehow invite me, I'll go. You know what the problem is? We like to sit here and think, some of you church feels real comfortable right now. There's not many more seats. I got the pastor's number on speed dial. This is where I want it. This is the comfortable church. But there's a place that you can get too comfortable. And so we always need to keep our eyes focused on the people that aren't here on Sundays. You have somebody that you can reach. You have somebody that God is asking you to reach. In fact, here's what I want. I want you to put in your mind three people. Just three people that you're going to ask in the upcoming weeks. Will you sit with me? At Summit View, let them know what service you're going to go to. You're going to be at the 930 or the 11. Let them sit with you. Because if you ask three people, more than likely two of them are going to say yes. You might be an overachiever. You might ask six people. But you have the potential to change someone's eternity. Just like Jonah. And all it requires is for you to step a little bit out of your comfort zone 
and invite them. Guys, I promise, you, don't, you say, I don't know enough about the Bible. Bring them here. I mean, I don't know enough either, but I'll do the hard work. I'll study my tail off because I'll make you this promise. If you will bring your friends, if you will bring your family members, I will do everything that I can do to win them to Jesus because aren't they worth it? You have the potential to change someone's eternity. All you got to do is invite them. One man said yes to God. Changed an entire city. Guys, what if 120 of us said yes to God? Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.